As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Hi, we're Craig and Camille Steiner. We serve at the Naperville location. And one of the many things we love about High Point Church is the warm and genuinely friendly people. And we're in a series called Life Verses, and we're challenging each person to discern a life verse for themselves or for a season. So one of the verses that is very meaningful to us is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, I know that this verse is overused by every high school Christian football team. But if you think about it, all things means all things. I can forgive someone who has hurt me through Christ who strengthens me. I can be patient with my kids through Christ who strengthens me. I can control my temper and I can control my tongue through Christ who strengthens me. That's our life verse for this season. What's yours? Okay, today's verse is probably, I mean, it's just quoted by so many people. It's so well known, whether you're a Christian or not. Athletes, they love it. So much so that Tim Tebow, do you remember him? Heisman Trophy winner, I mean, NFL quarterback, former. He used to put it on his eye black, which is what they wear under their eyes to reduce the glare so that everybody could see it. Then. John Jones, I don't know if you know this guy, but this is UFC fighter. I mean, this guy is a stud. He was the one, the, the, the champion, their youngest champion in the history of the sport. And he went so far as, check it out, over his shoulder and across his chest, Philippians 4.13. And then, I love this one too, because Steph Curry, as a basketball guy, he, man, I mean, seven-time NBA All-Star and three-point winner and all this stuff. I mean, three times he won the NBA championship. Every time he steps out of the locker room onto the court, he actually writes the verse on his shoe. So why do these guys do this, man? I think it's because the gravitational pull of this verse It's so strong. I mean, it's like, I can do anything. Can you feel it? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Man, I can feel the gravitational pull of this verse. But is that what it's saying? I mean, is that what it's teaching? If you have a Bible, open it up to Philippians chapter four, because that's where we're going. I want to take a look at this verse in its context. And it's such an awesome verse. And as we've heard already from the Steiners, I mean, there's so much in here. And I wanna give you four S words to go along with each of the phrases of the book, or the verse. So we're gonna slow down and look at each phrase and dissect it in the context of the verse so that we can apply it to our lives in a way that glorifies God. And so let's start with the first S word. I'd simply say it like this. It's the secret of, here's the phrase, I can do. Now, 
The secret to the phrase, I can do, is the gospel, the good news. That's the truth that Jesus came to this earth, the perfect son of God. He died a death that he didn't deserve. And so that what? You and I could find life as he was crucified, dead, buried, rose to new life. And if I believe that for myself, then I can experience new life right now. Just thought, I know it's 937, that that would be a little more exciting right now. (laughs) That we can have life in him. And it's not about a future thing, it's about a present thing. And I don't know, I've probably said this, who knows how many times on this stage, that I can summarize the gospel in four words. Jesus took my place. I can do it in three words. Him for me. It should have been you and I that died on the cross. Two words. Can you do it? I just said I've done this a hundred times. Substitutionary atonement. That's the theological way to say that Jesus died for you. And then one word, honestly, this is the one you said it. Grace. I mean, how do you describe this? I mean, how do you describe what he did for us? It's the unmerited favor that no matter what I do, D-O, I I can't do enough to earn favor with God that, that I can earn a place with him in heaven. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not a result of works. It's a gift to God. Why? The verse says, so that no one will boast. Hey, nobody's going to be up in heaven but like, hey, I got here because of me. I mean, Pastor Craig and Pastor Steve are going to try, but it won't work. And honestly, that's the truth. And it's all about, and again, I've done this so many times. I learned it when I was a new believer. Do verse done. D-O, what I try to do, reach up to God, human achievement, can't happen, done, D-O-N-E, what Jesus did for me. That he died a death that I that he didn't deserve, so that I could experience life. And so let me save you $75,000. Anybody in? You don't have to go to seminary and waste that money like I did. I'm gonna download this to you, okay? It's the difference between human achievement and divine accomplishment. That's it. It's human achievement. Please, save your money. Save your time. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you investigated different religions. Every other religion is in the bucket of human achievement. I don't care, man. You can try it. You can study it. You can every single one. It's about reaching up. Christianity is different. It's about divine accomplishment that God reached down in his son. Did he not? And for us. And that's how we experience eternal life. And so when I read... I can do, I know it's because he has done. I can do, because he is, that's a secret. And Paul, remember I said we're going to look at this great verse, and we're not, you know, rubbing any fun in anyone, trying to, oh, you're not using it right, do not say that. Like, Like, this is what we're saying, is that in the context, though, look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter three, if you got your Bibles, turn over, I'll put it on the screen, But whatever gain I had, 
Paul says, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. We're starting in verse seven. Verses one through six, do you remember? If you're looking at your Bibles, that's Paul's resume. He's like, all that, look what he says about it. He says, it's worthless. He says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you know him as Lord? Do you know his grace? He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish, man. Trash that I take out tomorrow on Monday, out to the curb, every accomplishment that I've ever had in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And then he goes on to say, here it is, don't miss it. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That's the I do part. That's the human achievement. He says, I love this, man. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why we come to church every weekend. That what? That man, which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his suffering. Wow. That informs us of the context. Becoming more like him in his death. So I can do the secret because Christ is done. If you got to give me a hand raise. Now let me give you the scope. So again, we're going to look at phrase by phrase. We're going to just slow down, dissect it. The secret is I can do the scope of all things. So what can I do? Now again, I, I said it, the difference between exegesis and eisegesis, two important terms. Exegesis is what does the text say? Eisegesis, it happens in some of our small groups. It's just like, well, this is what I think it says. This is what it means to me. And that's good, please. I'm not making fun. All I'm saying is exegesis, we gotta get the content on the original meaning from the context. Context determines meaning. That's why it's so important to just read a chapter and think about it. And, and so what does it mean according to the chapter, the immediate context? Let's look at the first two verses above it, verses 11 and 12 of verse 13 of Philippians 4. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, this is the Apostle Paul, for I have learned, interesting, in whatever situation I am to be content, hint, 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 I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every circumstance. I have learned, second time, the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I still feel the gravitational pull, but I got a better understanding of what Paul's talking about exegesis, eisegesis. The word content, it was actually used of the Stoics in the third century. These were the Greek philosophers. And they defined it in this way. They would define it as, I can find the secret and joy and I can be content because of self-sufficiency or self-reliance that I can find it in myself. Now, Paul's not doing that. Paul's saying, I can learn to be happy and find contentment, not in self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency. Thankful for two amens. How about an all right? I mean, self-sufficiency versus Christ-sufficiency. Do you see it? And so what's the context? Hint, hint. 
The context is not human achievement that I can experience my goals and I can accomplish my life purpose. Um, I can do all the goals and objectives I have physically. I can do all the goals and objectives I have professionally. I can fulfill all the goals and objectives that I have personally. No, he's not saying that at all. He's saying your goals, personally, professionally, and physically, they can be achieved, but divinely speaking, through contentment in him. And that's what he's talking about. And learned two times in the passage, deep dive. Interesting when a word's used twice. I looked it up this week in its original language. That's actually a different Greek word each time. So it's two times in our English language learn, but the significance of the second time, it was a word that was used by various religious groups at the time, circles of religion, and they would use it, sometimes they would use it, this is the only time we see this word in the New Testament, and they would use it to describe, sometimes it's, it's, it's translated instructed or initiated, that you'd be initiated into the deeper secrets of our religion. And so, I don't know, think about, you know, like, let's put that in our context. I don't think, go back to college, you, you, when you were initiated into a sorority, or um, what's the boy's version of that? Fraternity thanks, I, didn't, I wasn't part of a fraternity. Um, I didn't have to buy my friends like you. Um, so, so, I'm just kidding, were you in a sorority? You, know, you weren't in a sorority, okay, you, weren't, well, you didn't either, so you and I are on the same page. Okay, so, but there's an initiation, Right? There's an initiation that I have to do some things to get in, and I've learned some things. And you know, maybe a better context for me is athletics, and probably both of us that that there was some as as the freshman in the locker room, they you know get stuffed into a locker or taped to the the the, the uh, bench, and I'll let you guess who was doing the taping and who was getting put down. Can't say that now, but there's things that we did to initiate. Now I'm in real trouble. This is what happens when you don't have notes. And, and, and I was initiated through some things. And so what Paul's saying, don't lose focus. Paul's saying, I was initiated into the secrets of the faith, of the Christian faith, not self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency. And, and what Paul's saying is, it's a learned behavior. So... This is all about a learned behavior that he can be content in all things. And so that's the scope. Contentment, divine contentment, not human achievement. And I know you know this. It's in your study Bible. Paul's in jail while he's writing this. Does that add a little flavor? That he's in confinement. So catch this. Paul learned contentment through confinement. Think about that in your current situation of where you're experiencing some loss of some things. We've all experienced loss over the last two years. Have we learned contentment? That's what it's teaching. So I love Warren Wiersbe. He says it like this. He was a pastor in Chicago for many years at the uh, downtown. And he says, real contentment must come from within. You and I cannot change or control the world around us, but we can change and control the world within us. So the scope of all things 
is contentment in him. I've got a pitcher of water. I've got a glass. Let's just fill the glass halfway. And what would the optimist say? I have a glass that's half full. What would the rest of you pessimists say? <laughs> what? It's half empty. Okay, follow the bouncing ball. What does contentment say? I'm just glad I got a glass. I'm just glad I got a glass. Doesn't matter. Gotta fill it sometime. I mean, it's just a different way of thinking about the same thing. So third S word, good stuff as we drive into the passage. So third S word is this, that the significance of through him. Now again, this is really important that through him can be achieved only because, put your thinking caps on, only because or if I'm in him. So another little foolish illustration. Let me, I got this out of my garage this morning. So I got a ball. This took a long time to find. This is a pail. And so what's the relationship to the ball and the pail? There's nothing, really. I mean, I'm just standing here holding it. There's no relationship. It doesn't really go with it. It's like, you know. Now, what's the relationship to the ball and the pail? The ball, very good. This section is so smart. Very concerned about these other sections. I will go over here and teach them because you know all things. So the ball is in the bucket. And just like the check is in the mail. Or how about this one? It is January. The bears are in the toilet. Again. But they got a new coach. They got a new GM. We'll see. Okay, the ball is in the bucket just like, and I know it's foolish, but we're in Christ. The relationship of the ball and the bucket has changed. What happens, this section, you're so smart, if, if I lose the bucket, what happens to the ball in the bucket? Nothing. The ball is lost in the bucket. What happens if I kick the bucket? Well, proverbially speaking, I'm still in heaven with Jesus. Anybody with me? <laughs> For this stupid illustration, okay? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, the, the idea is that the relationship has changed. And, and so... This is the secret. The key to this is the truth about the bucket and the truth about the ball are the same. So, so the truth about Jesus, about who he is, about what he can do, about his strength, about his power, it, it's true of you because you're in him. I mean, are we seeing it? that I can do all things through him who strengthens me, that, that he can bring contentment to your life no matter what the loss is, no matter what the difficulty, no matter the pain that, that, that we're in him. You say, is that anywhere else in scripture? Yeah. How about if you got your Bibles with you, turn to John 15. I'm gonna read it from the screen. Jesus says, I am the true vine 
and my father is the vine dresser. So first thing, this is Jesus speaking. He's the true vine. That means there's some false vines. There's some false buckets that people are living in based on self-sufficiency, their own strength. I do human achievement. And, And then he goes, my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Interesting, don't want to get sidetracked, but in the original language, that translation could say he lifts up. So, so he supports. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Here's the through him. I mean, are you seeing it? Give me a head nod. And, and then already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And Jesus uses this illustration. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch. It, it can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is, it is him that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There's verse five. That's why we say after every service, walk in his strength because you can't achieve what we're asking you to do every week apart from him. And, and then he goes on to say, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you, there it is again, abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Here it is again, abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 10 times in 11 verses, we see the word abide. And I've often said it's, it's to make your, your home in that I'm gonna make my home in Christ. And if I make my home in Christ, then he's gonna be able to do some things through me as, as he strengthens me. And it's continual, continuous dependent living that I make my home in him. So let me back up and review the secret of I can do is that he has done. The scope of all things is that not everything, but that I will experience contentment in anything. And the significance of through him is because I'm in him. That's what the verse is saying in its context. And, And then lastly, best part, man, the supremacy of who strengthens me. Like, how do I get this strength? Well, let's think about the Gospels for a moment. And Jesus, the picture of the strength that he shows, and Jesus has power. Jesus has power over disease. We see that in the New Testament. He's healing countless numbers of people. They're running to him, and he heals the sick, and he makes the lame walk, and He gives sight to the blind and he gives hearing to those who can't. And so Jesus has power over disease. Jesus has power over demons. I mean, how about the story in the New Testament where the demon-possessed man, Jesus gets the demons out of him and he, he gets them to go in this herd of pigs. And the herd of pigs just, they don't want 
it, but they go into the sea and they drown themselves. Jesus has power over disaster. When the disciples are in the boat and they're afraid and, and Jesus is asleep right there and then he wakes up and he calms the storm. So the disaster in our lives over nature. Last, Jesus has, he's got power over death as we see him healing his best friend, causing him to rise who is dead and, and walk and live again, Lazarus. Jesus has power over disease and demons and disaster and, and death. And Jesus has got power over all things, like everything. The scripture says in Colossians that he is first, that he's to be preeminent in our lives because of that, his supremacy, that he is the head of the church, that, that he is above all things, that, that he created all things in him and through him. I mean, Jesus is supreme. That's what the New Testament teaches. And so as we think about this verse for a moment in its context, is it saying that we can become a superhero to stop a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive? And that we could do what? That we could leap tall buildings? Well, no. I actually wish it was because Marvel is killing off all the superheroes. Anybody with me? I mean, you know, we lose Iron Man first. Then how do you lose Captain America, please? And now Black Widow? I mean, come on now. But we, we're not superheroes. And I know this is a lame illustration, but, but Jesus is our superhero, is he not? Because he's supreme. And he's above all things. And so he's the one. So have you experienced his strength in you and through you so that you can be content in all things. I have. I just ask you within the reflection of your own heart as we round third base and get done with this message. I mean, I remember 20 years ago when my mom died of cancer and I flew home to do the funeral and I'm just telling you, people just would say, you know, how did you do it? It was Christ in me, man. He just propped me up. And it was one of the hardest times 20 years ago, 25 years ago in our lives. And then I think back, and it's just a couple months ago. I was in the hospital on my back, and if Jody was here, she'd like, you're going to tell that story again. <laughs> COVID, and man, it hit me. And I, I mean, I, I got to be honest, though. I, I, I experienced his power and his contentment as I ate nine days of hospital food. <laughs> but, but have you? I mean, can you look back at what he's done in the past and what he's doing right now, and can you say, I, I've experienced him? I mean, I experienced his contentment yesterday when I was flipping through, scrolling through Facebook and all my friends, and how come they get to go there? <laughs> Boy, that looks like a nice jacket. <laughs> And, and isn't it true, though, that as you see everyone else's highlight reels, can you be content in all things? That, that's what he's talking about. So 
I love how the message, Eugene Peterson, he has a paraphrase, and he says it like this. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Isn't that good? It's because who you are in him that you can do all things. And then let's give this new translation. It's one that's coming out shortly, the RZV. I'm just kidding. Okay, so this is what's funny. Tyler back here. Look at Tyler back there. They, sometimes they do this when I, when I, when I sum it up myself. And, and so a couple times he's done this and I haven't noticed it. People are like, what's the RZV version? I'm like, what the heck? Where did you get that? It was on the screen. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? So, so just cover that so a lightning bolt doesn't kill me. Because of Christ. I can be divinely content in every situation as I continually depend on him and empowered by his strength. Father, we look to you and we love you. We thank you for the secret of I can that I can only do because you have done. And you have done the work that I could not do so that I can have a relationship with you. And for those that are gathered here in person or online. Lord, for those who are in you, we praise you today. And for those who are coming closer to making a decision to embracing your grace and goodness for themselves, I, I pray that this message would be one step closer. And Father, the scope of all things, as we examine this today, we know as Paul wrote this in prison that, Lord, the scope is not everything I can do in and of myself and my career and athletically, but the scope is I can be content no matter what circumstance I face. And I pray specifically, Father, for the person who is here in this moment right now and, and they're facing a difficulty. They're facing a life uncertainty. And I pray for your contentment, Lord, as Paul reminds us that the contentment is to be learned in the most difficult times, and I pray for your strength and your power, the significance of what it means to live through him. That as we pursue the next career, as we pursue a new path, as we move to a different place, that, Lord, we know we can live through you because we're in you, and you know we've seen your providence and your grace, and and we know you're going to care for us and you're going to open up things that we didn't even see. And Father, I pray now only because of the supremacy of Christ that, that his strength is available. And it's available because we're in him alone. And Father, we praise you for the truth of the gospel. We praise you for the power that we have. It only comes through the resurrection of Christ that your power can be displayed in us and through us. That we look to you and the gospel of grace. And we stand alone in Christ. Not in our human achievements. Not in our human accomplishments. But in in what you have done and what you will continue to do. If you agree with that prayer, let's say amen. amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship him for who he is and what he's done.